you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, you guys. I'm so excited that we can talk about how to work through trauma together, heal through trauma together across the holidays. And I am so thankful to have Courtney Berg with us to talk about how she walked herself uh, with God's help through addiction and through unhealthy family boundaries. And we get to do that too. So yes, we're inside of the Enneagram and Marriage, these pages. But now we have a special corner of it as we open up into the holidays where Courtney's going to talk to us about when we can be loyal to a fault, when we can be so excited extending ourselves in the name of Christ to uh, to others that we may lose our ability to do our good work, this nuanced Enneagram work we're trying to do. And so we're going to pair that a little bit together today because I want you guys to really know I'm here for you through the holidays. I know my family, I have some family like on my side an hour or two away and they're so sweet and they're like, Krista, um, my cousins Tiffany and Karen from the Croatian side, they're like, hey, let's, you know, do this uh, time even though we're all so busy. They're, um, you know, one of my cousins, her and her husband are physical therapists. So it's like we're like she's like he's in a bodybuilding competition i'm like okay we have to like get ahead to even look at that together um and that's where you're at too and this isn't even somebody i have trauma with this is just a good connection so i know that for all of us when you have some trauma around family or extended family you may have an even harder time just grabbing hold of like how do i stay present how does my marriage stay healthy when we're walking into this season so we're going to give you some tips today um but i want you to know that we all are in this together. And I want you to be able to kind of first ask yourself uh, before we bring Courtney on just a couple things, just in general, ask yourself if the headaches you're imagining ahead for the holidays are real or imagined. Um, So just make sure you're solving the real problems and not the imaginary ones, because we all know we can have that negative sentiment override where we're like, all is bad. I'm coloring it all bad. It hasn't even happened yet. Um, but I just want to show some empathy around that. I want to let you know a universal quality of trauma is feeling out of control. But if you want to be effective, you have to really stay resourced and get activated bit by bit. So we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to share a great trauma training that my ENM uh, coaches and I are aware of and many of us have been doing um, just because it's a really good uh, training too. But I'll share more about that on Wednesday. And for today, I'm just going to walk you through with Courtney, her beautiful book, Loyal to a Fault, so you can start to realize like what boundaries are going to be good. And I press in with some really big questions for her, like, okay, like help the audience here to really get when we have this. And you know, I've been honest, um, trying to have good boundaries, but honest, like this is where I've had to do this work too. So um, we're in it together, you guys. And um, before we get started with Courtney, I just want to say thank you so much to my community who has been supportive of the book. Um, I've been trying to name that at the beginning of these episodes. And uh, yesterday's article from Pure Bar Parish came out and I'm so grateful and thankful. Also, um, my school, Taylor Public Schools shared um, where I went to uh, elementary and middle school and high school uh, about the book, which was so fun to see because all my literature teachers, like they had to put up with me just as your high school and middle school and elementary teachers had to put up with you. Like I'm like, 
thank you. And also, um, of course, they're the ones who kind of built you up over the years and say, you're a good writer and you should do something with this or that. And so I think that um, it's nice to have, you know, like we're not doing any of our gifts in a vacuum. They all come with, like, we're all just a community doing our gifts together. But also thank you uh, for the Enneagram Girl podcast with Alicia Larkey uh, for having me. Thank you for, of course, my dear friend, Amy Wicks with Wholehearted Enneagram. Thank you for the love thinks with Dr. Morgan Cutlip. She said our Enneagram episode was the most downloaded. Um, thank you for Enneagram Ashton and Deepwaters Enneagram for both doing beautiful giveaways of the book. I'm so grateful on Instagram lives. Thank you for this organized life with Lori Pillow. She is awesome. And some of you said she's your favorite eight who's come on the show. And also, of course, Bear Marriage with Sheila Ray Gregoire. Thank you to Truity for doing the live with me and the in-between pod with Daniel and Christina M. I had so much fun on their podcast and more to come, but I'm just grateful you guys for this chance. And now I get to do this with my friend that I got to meet through this process, which has been such a gift to meet Courtney Berg. Courtney is a fellow Wheaty and I love connecting with people around Wheaton. I had an immediate sense of she's going to come from a more holistic perspective. And I'm so grateful that you guys get to meet her too and do this work together with us as we work through healing, through trauma, setting healthy boundaries through the holidays. So let's talk to Courtney. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us for the Enneagram and Marriage podcast today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I loved getting to meet you. You're a fellow weedy. I'm so excited for you with all you're doing there. Can you tell us about your family and just about your journey a little bit before I ask you all these questions about extended family and boundaries and your beautiful book? Sure. Um, so I am a writer. By trait, I guess. Like I feel like I've always been a I recently have been sharing my journals with my daughters. I'm like, wow, I have always been a writer. Um, because they're my older girls are eight and six, and then we have twin three-year-olds. But my older ones are very into journaling right now and reading, and I love that for them. But I'm a writer primarily. I'm also, like I said, a mother. I've been married to my husband now for we're going on 10 years, which has been exciting how much can happen in 10 years. I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> feels like a long 10 years, and then also just like yesterday. Yeah. Um, and then as you said, I'm at Wheaton. I'm getting my master's there and that's amazing. It's been such a blessing just to be, mm. you know, with women that are like-minded and that just mm. want to dive deeper in the word. And that can, we talk about like nerding out on this stuff. We were on like text together and we talk about all the things scripture, which is so fun for me. Yes. <laughs> my husband's like, you need to go back to school because you need to talk with people like you. <laughs> And um, and then I have a, a membership online for women that are healing from codependency and learning to set boundaries in their family, usually for the first time. They're the first in their family system. So I think that covers most of it. Oh my gosh. Well, that is great. And I know that Wheaton is the kind of place and there's many places like it and even both of our, our journeys we're hoping to bring to people um, for people to just have fellow, uh, like your husband said, you know, you need people like you mm -hmm. to walk through life with, especially when you're doing work in that Moses slash first generation of crossing some sort of a desert. So, um, I know it's so wonderful to hear how couples met and then to kind of walk through some of your stuff. So I was wondering if you could share how you and your husband met and about your Enneagram types first. 
I I actually shared this with him when I saw your question come through on that. And I laughed because I was like, should I tell her the PC version or should I tell her the honest version? I will tell you the honest version. Um, No, but this was, you know, so I've been sober now for 10 years. And so I got sober shortly after we got married, which I share about in my book. Um, But we were not sober when we were dating and and newly married. And so with that comes a lot of uh, a lot of fun and a lot of disaster. But we but we joke that. So we met actually through friends and um, God has just done a work in us, in our marriage and our parenting. And um, sobriety has been a big part of that for, so we're grateful for that. He actually, um, you know, we, I just kind of celebrated my sober anniversary, which mm-hmm. as much as I, it's a huge part of my story. Now that it's just woven into the tapestry of my life, I kind of forget about it. Cause it's just, it's just yeah. part of who I am now. Um, but he, you know, he was sharing with me last week how grateful he is that that's just no longer mm-hmm. um, a vice in my life and how God has just really shown up for us in that way. So yeah, we met, we met through mutual friends and, uh, and yeah, there's some funny stories back then <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that, that need to stay back there. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're not, you're like, I don't want to give glory to those stories, but there's some funny ones and I get that. And I think it was courageous and beautiful that you've been writing about this, that you're sharing about it here. Yeah. Um, because I think that gives others permission to do the same, to say, I'm not perfect either. Um, and that probably leads us to your Enneagram type and his type too. Yeah. So I am, I had to refresh myself a little bit because I'm familiar with the Enneagram and I, and I appreciate it. Um, but I'm not as talented or as gifted as you in it, but I am a one wing nine. Mm -hmm. And the last time I had him do a test, he's only done one. I believe he was like the challenger. Is that, is that an eight? Yeah, that's an eight. Okay. So I know mine, I don't know his wing, but I'm pretty sure. And it, and it makes sense when I read about it. I'm like, Oh, that's definitely us. So sweet. Well, we will send you a one eight pairing guide and, um, Oh, thank you. Yes. I knew your type and I didn't know his. And I love hearing that you guys have come together. I think that I see a lot of leadership couples in that one eight space, uh, because there's a lot of energy there. And like you said, when it's not directed in healthy ways, it can go everywhere and anywhere. Um, but when it is, it's absolutely glorious to behold. And uh, we know marriage is bumpy sometimes, but um, tell us a little bit about this because I saw in your blog where this is one of my favorite things when authors are so reflective and yes, you are such a great writer. I love that you know that about yourself. You're like, I'm putting that on. I am a writer. Your girls are getting (laughs) this beautiful for them. Um, But I saw you talk about like how, when we're in seasons of unhealth in marriage, um, even outside of family boundaries we're setting and work we want to do extended family wise, sometimes that internal work involves us looking at, uh, and I imagine even in the one space of not looking at grass is greener on the other side. Um, and many of us, even if we're not a one, we have a one space where we can do that. Um, so can you help our listeners to just walk through like just your journey about learning not to idealize another person in those moments of addiction, or even when they're not an addiction, just something that's helped to center you for your marriage versus looking outside? Sure. I think well, I think sobriety has played a role in that because one of the things that I learned early on is that, you know, you just have to be where your feet are. And so for me, um, whenever I get too far ahead, I can easily like 
look around at what people are doing in their marriage or in their business. And, you know, like a pity party starts or discouragement starts. And then for me, my when I get unhealthy, I have a lot of anger. And so again, the, God has been working on that in my life over the past five plus years, especially with small children. But I really think just being present and being planted where I am and trusting that um, my marriage is not meant to bring me constant happiness, but that it's it's sanctifying me, um, just like motherhood, and that it's building wholeness in me. And I feel worried, I guess is the right word for the next generation who are either choosing not to get married or they are marrying for the wrong reasons because we're living in a, especially with social media and this idea that feelings are in charge and that they're so valid and that they're so meaningful, you know, and as Christians, we know that we have authority over those. And so what do I do in my marriage if I'm not happy? Does that mean I just leave? Does that mean I just give up? Does that mean I go get happiness somewhere else? You know, and so I feel like it's very misleading to um to think that happiness is out there. And for me, I think another part of that is taking personal responsibility for working towards that wholeness. Um, it's easy to, you know, redirect blame on my partner or my children, why I'm not where I want to be or uh, whatever it is. And the reality is I'm half of that. I write about it in my book. Like if my relationships suck, I'm half of that. So I have to take responsibility and begin doing things differently if I want to have a different result. Mm, yeah. And that's really a uh, key for just the inner work that you're calling everyone to do through your book. And um, I'm so glad for your book coming out and guys, she's got these awesome pre-order bonuses. You can even read the first three chapters for free. Um, but it's so nice to do that early, but um, I guess I'm just looking at your thoughts about inner scripts because you're saying, don't just look out, plant your feet on the ground, look within at your own marriage and at your own self, and maybe even some of the inherited patterns from your family, which is a little hard when people are like, how can I honor my parents of origin, but at the same time, kind of peek under and mm -hmm. do some work. So what are your thoughts about that for those trying to just say, all right, not on my spouse, I'm going to do my work. Where do you like to start with people? So one of the things I I onboard all my members inside my membership with, and one of the exercises in the book is a family of origin inventory. And this is does what you just said, is it looks at the conditioning of our early childhood. So my undergrad is in psychology, and I just fell in love with brain science and why we do what we do and how we're all innately wired for this connection. But that when we seek that connection, if we start to lose it, we might do things that are not who we are, you know? And so when we look back at our family of origin, we're not looking back at, you know, our childhood to blame our siblings or our parents or to stay there. Um, we're, we're collecting data and we're saying, okay, how, what did I learn about affection? What did I learn about discipline? What did I learn about boundaries and faith and safety? And what did we value? What, you know, what was the consistency and the routine like? And we start to look at this mm -hmm. from, from kind of like a baseline. And then we get to take that conscious awareness around it and say, okay, um, I'm going to change this and I'm going to keep this. 
Mm-hmm. And and we become an active participant in our legacy writing. And I think that that's very powerful because patterns are what we repeatedly do. Mm-hmm. And so if we're sick and tired of doing certain things, we have to look at that that underlying belief. Like you said, we have to peel back that layer and say, okay, I'm going to bring forward all that matters and I'm going to let go of what doesn't. And some patterns of behavior do need to be left in the past and they can stop with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking at that, collecting that data is very important um, for changing patterns. Mm. Wow, I love that how you're saying we have to systematize before we can just randomly goal set. We have to say, what was the system like and how can I change my system now? And what I really hear you saying is uh, something you talk about in your book, which is developing your own set of core values. And I Mm. love that. I love to help couples develop their marriage mission. Can you tell us a little bit about what that might look like for somebody trying to say, I see some good things from my past, but also I'm different from them in this way. Absolutely. Core values are everything. I was working one-on-one with women and then I started my membership and I was connecting with with women on social media. And one of the pieces that I realized I was missing was here I was coaching on setting boundaries and breaking free from codependency was this core value piece because we don't know what we're guarding unless we know what we value. And so this is the foundation in which our entire life is structured upon. And again, there's no um, there's no right or wrong here. I think as a Christian, we have certain certain uh, Christ-like values, you know, like fruits of the spirit that are a part of us when we, when we dedicate our, our, you know, our allegiance to Christ, he is king and all of that. Um, But, you know, but across the board, there's going to be different values around marriage, around parenting, around work, um, you know, whatever it is. And so knowing your values, identifying those are really going to shape your behavior because now we're, okay, I value my marriage. I'm not going to talk poorly about my husband in front of other women. That's my behavior. Okay. It's also how I impact and influence others. And so if I value my marriage, I'm not going to speak inappropriately about my husband. And then other people are going to now see that in our marriage. And that's how we influence and impact the world. And so knowing our values and understanding that they are a driving force behind our thinking and our behavior um, is key. And so if we don't identify our core values, the world will identify it for us. It's that simple. And so if we don't get clear um, on our values, somebody else will tell us what to value. And so we have to be, we have to be diligent with that. Yeah, that's such a good reminder. And it once again takes a pause from the busy pacing to just slow down and to look back and to say, what am I wanting to take? What is even like you said, where is there just freedom in Christ? Like there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Like I can choose something different, even if it's a different good than my family of origin. Um, And that's really powerful for marriage too, because sometimes your spouse even has a different set of values. So you guys have to work together to find some mutual core values that you both share. Um, And then each of you bring things right to each other to challenge each other. So what would you say um, in terms of, say we do decide there's some things I don't want from my, my family of origin, but they're pushing them on me and they don't want me to individuate. What are some uh, boundaries that you think are not only going to help us, but this was what was really honestly super exciting about having you for today is you talk about how the boundaries we set are good for the extended family too. So can you tell us more about those things? 
Absolutely. I think that there's this misconception or myth around boundaries being um, unkind or unloving or selfish even. And if we look at a relationship without boundaries, you'll almost always find somebody that's bitter, resentful, run down, anxious, confused. Um, And that's not loving. That's not loving at all. And so when people start implementing boundaries, especially with extended family, it's actually a bid for connection. It's a bid for love. It's saying, I want to be in this relationship with you, and this is what this looks like. Now, there's a difference between difficult relationships and destructive relationships. Certain boundaries need to be a little bit more rigid than others with certain people. And you know that kind of is a case-by-case scenario. But more times than not, we're dealing with difficult situations where boundaries actually allow us us to be in relationship with this person, you know, Mm -hmm. so say a difficult mother-in-law or, you know, you know, a brother who, you know, the holidays coming up, people have a hard time being around extended family. Mm -hmm. Um, We cannot get mad at people for crossing a line that we were never clear about drawing. Mm -hmm. You know, we cannot blame them for stepping over when we've never had a hard conversation. Mm -hmm. And so again, that comes back to that personal responsibility Mm -hmm. of, I'm going to look at this and say, what is it that I need in this? I'm going to talk to my partner about it. Um, we're going to be on the same team about it. And um, and we're going to be very clear on what we're going to tolerate and not tolerate in this because I want to continue this relationship, because mm-hmm. I want to have a nice Christmas with them, not because I want to be rude or unkind or high maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so understanding the incentive behind it is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes a paradigm shift because when when women start setting boundaries and there's pushback, mm-hmm. I think we start to think that that boundary is wrong. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the dysfunctional behavior is what is wrong. The boundary is actually supporting a healthy relationship. And so we can expect pushback. We can expect people not to like it, mm-hmm. but we don't have to then say, oh, the boundary's wrong or I'm I'm overreacting. We can stand solid in that the the value of what's to come of that relationship from a healthy boundary. And you have something implicit there that you bring the dignity of the person we're sending the boundary with back up. Because when you're not telling, when you're gossiping, when you're passive aggressive, that's not honoring them either. But when you're able Mm -hmm. to say, here's where I'm not dysregulated, that we can be together. Here's the amount of time, or like you said, the the style of relationship that I can have with you that doesn't dishonor my current family. Uh, These are ways that can keep you connected. So I love that. I think it's rare. I think it's not talked a lot about. It's usually people Mm -hmm. leave it with set your boundaries. And like you said, that can just feel so cold and not very Christ-like. And so, like Mm -hmm. you said, people just tend to forget it. I won't set any, I'll just put on that smile. But to be able to really offer that to people gives them a chance to grow. And um, I'm really happy that you're sharing this, Courtney. Thank you. Yeah, this is huge. Well, I also wanted to ask you for those listening, like, okay, holidays are here. They're they're right now. Um, we have some more holidays coming. What would you say is a way that they can practice setting a boundary even right away with some boundary that you think is just a good one for uh, couples to have around this time of the year? Absolutely. One of the first boundaries that I always tell people, if, you, if you're if you not sure that you can set boundaries or you, you want to start today, is really to examine the next time you can say no. And a lot of times we feel like we have to say yes to stuff. We have to say yes to volunteering at our kids' school. We have to say yes at hosting our in-laws over. We have to say yes to staying late for work. In reality, we don't have to. 
And it's actually not beneficial for our family, for our work, for our health, for anybody. And so something as simple as the next time you want to say no, but can't, let's look beneath that and see what fear is driving that behavior. Because oftentimes it is a fear. I'm afraid they won't like me. I'm afraid they'll they'll, you know, be mad at me. I'm afraid of what they'll think or say. And but but here's the thing: we cannot love people from a basis of fear. You know, love is never a byproduct of fear. And so if our if fear is driving our decisions, yeah. uh, it's not gonna, it's not gonna end pretty. That's where we're gonna see the anxiety, the overwhelm, the bitterness, the resentment. And so again, if we want to have healthy relationships, we have to start with having healthy, you know, sometimes honest conversations with ourselves about our own limits. Mm-hmm. I write about in the book that the hardest limit you'll ever have to set is the ones on yourself mm-hmm. because only you are holding you accountable. Yeah. And so when when we want to be everything to everybody, we're not anybody to anybody, you know? I mean, you just simply cannot be spread thin. Um, And so, you know, tomorrow, wake up in the morning and notice, wow, I really, I don't really want to do this. And I feel like I have to, and begin to get curious about that and say, what am I believing? What is the lie that I'm believing in this about what it means to be a loyal daughter, wife, sister, Mm -hmm. friend, and challenge that with truth. I mean, in one of the exercises in my book, as I talk, you know, for the people that are believers listening is, you know, we hold up scripture to our thoughts. We hold our thoughts captive and we say, okay, what do I need to worry about this? Well, no, it says cast all your fears and anxieties onto me. Okay. I don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. I can replace that thought with something more noble and pure and, you know, Mm -hmm. trustworthy. And so again, that's the practice that we have to walk ourselves through in order to um, to behave in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, we cannot we cannot expect different relationships if we keep doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're saying when the inner fear, which it often goes back to fear, rises up, look at it. Is there a valid fear? If so, address that. Set the boundary. If there's not, bring yourself either mm-hmm. way into claiming these healthier thoughts that you can have and hold. I love that. And um, what have you seen over years with the people you've chosen to set boundaries with when you have done it after the death settles and the initial feelings, like you said, expect some rebuttal, expect some reaction, some dysregulation. But after that, what do you think often happens with people when somebody sets a boundary with them? I'm so glad you've brought this up because it's not going to be linear. It's not always going to be pleasant. When we begin to make changes in ourselves, and then that is reflected in our relationships, Mm -hmm. it is unsettling. Because Mm -hmm. typically, if you're in a relationship with somebody and there is no boundaries there, and then you start implementing boundaries, you're taking something away from them. You're taking some sort of control, power, finances, emotional uh, support something away from them time and and so that can come off as a personal attack oftentimes people on the receiving end that have never you know learned this language of boundaries feel personally attacked but it is not personal and again it's for the benefit of both people involved and so i think that it's you know it's one of those things where Um, It's not if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. And I can share with you, part of my story is setting boundaries and it didn't go well for years. Mm -hmm. I'm saying for years, I had to sit in that discomfort Mm -hmm. of knowing um, that God had a bigger plan and that everybody is able to handle their own hurt their own disappointment, their own anger, and that that was no longer mine to manage. It was never my assignment. Mm -hmm. 
And I had to sit on my hands and Mm -hmm. I had to uh, plead to God to help me through that because I was a chronic people pleaser, codependent, would lose sleep, would worry. I mean, I was the girlfriend that you had that like, if you didn't text me back right away, I would wonder if I said something wrong. Like I was suffering. And so, you know, it's not if there's a pushback, it's when, and then you get to decide what you're going to do with that when you see or hear of that of that disruption. Um, And the best thing that I can encourage listeners to, to do is to do nothing at all. And to trust that you're being morally sound, that you're coming with a pure heart, that your motivations, again, I I walk people through in my book about motivations behind healthy boundaries, because we have to be clear on that Mm -hmm. uh, before we set a boundary. It's not to control the other person. It's not to manipulate or pay back or any of that. And so when you're clear on that, then you can go... uh, I don't want to say about your day, but you can know that God is working for you in this too. He's working for you. He's fighting that battle on your behalf. And that some relationships, um, God does prune away. Mm-hmm. He does prune away. And I find that the suffering continues when we try to replant over and over what he's pruning. And it doesn't mean forever, but sometimes separation is a necessary component for both people to walk towards wholeness. Mm-hmm. And so um, it it's uncomfortable. It's mm. extremely uncomfortable for people suffering with with these codependent traits or with the people pleasing mentality to go silent for a little while. But we have to trust that God is working in that relationship, mm-hmm. and that um, and that sometimes the the only thing we can do is pray and surrender mm. and and know that our intentions are pure and we're doing our best. Mm. I do too. And I think it, I think it's a direct correlation for the ways we manage our own stress levels after we set the boundaries, because when we don't have the healthy boundaries we're setting, now we're robbing Peter to pay Paul and we are totally dysregulated. And so when you're coming back to the space of peace and joy, and I really like how you said, make sure you are lined up with your core values so that you do have integrity and morality as part of the shaping of whatever boundaries you need to set. And then when you do, your life has such more of serenity. So, and I can see mm-hmm. that as the type one, cause that's the type one journey is from the anger or the rage to serenity and from being a culturally compliant type to being more lined up with what does God want for me? What's best for mm-hmm. my marriage? Let me lean into my spouse and our needs together versus like you said, the friends, the extended family. But you're not abandoning. Like you said, even if those relationships can be disappointing, um, they also hold value and learning how to negotiate them is such a gift. So you have alluded to uh, just some things we can find in your beautiful book. Can you tell us in general what we can expect as we grab bonuses, as as we grab the book around this time of year and pre-order? Absolutely. So the book publishes 12-12, so December 12th. And up until that point, you can pre-order, you can get um, downloadable videos created by me um, to really manage and navigate those sticky situations with family in particular. So, you know, when there's those passive aggressive comments made about maybe your marriage or your parenting style or your job, how to handle that, um, how to handle the expectations and pressures that we often feel from loved ones. What do we do in those situations? So there's some really great video downloads there. Um, There's also some affirmations. I find that's really powerful for me personally and the women I work with in my membership. I remind them often, print this out, put this where you, you know, when you're driving, put this on your mirror when you get up, because we have to have these messages, you know, on repeat 
in order to kind of rewire that thinking. And it's just the reminders because we forget, we're forgetful creatures. And so I have some downloadable affirmations as well that I always encourage people to, you know, save on your phone, download and and print and put it somewhere. Um, And then you also get the first three, three chapters of the book, which I, you know, I think is so, so fun. Whenever I pre-order a book, I'm like, oh, I love to, to get a little sneak peek of that. So me too. I'm so excited. <laughs> Love your book name, Loyal to a Fault. That is mm-hmm. literally awesome. I'm so excited for you. And where can everybody order the book if they're just like, I'm ready, I want to make that decision, or I want to check out your membership? Where can they find you and your work? Absolutely. So my website is CourtneyJBurke.com. On there is a link to pre-order. That's also my membership, Discover Your Worth, what I shared. I love how you alluded to, you know, relationships that can be difficult and and how you might be the first one setting boundaries. And that's why I created my membership because I was working with women who were the first ones, mm. the first quote unquote crazy ones to be setting these limits. And there are moments of, you know, loneliness in that. And so I wanted a place where they could come and get support from me and have coursework and have a safe space to be with other women where they're like, okay, I'm not crazy. Um, So that's all under CourtneyJBerg.com. But the book is available on Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, you know, all the book places, (laughs) small bookstores. Yes, we love those too. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. Courtney, thank you. This is such a life-giving episode for this time of year and all through the year. So blessings upon your book journey and upon you for taking on this brave, courageous journey. I know it's blessed your family and your legacy and many others and including our audience today. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Guys, thank you so much for being here with Courtney and I. Make sure you pre-order her book. What a gift to us to already hear that she has these pre-order chapters for us and also uh, already her own voice just helping us to walk through the important statements we need to keep ourselves safe and grounded through the holidays. This is such a gift to me, to you. So let's make sure we use it. Um, Take those deep breaths. Be back with me on Wednesday so I can bring you through some more centering around your relationship and walking you through your own trauma patterns. And uh, hopefully you will continue to walk through the pages of the Enneagram and Marriage with me as you do this. Keep in mind, we're having a course to walk through it together at the beginning of next year. That's going to be starting on Thursdays in January, and I'll give you more details about that soon. But I hope you have a great day. Thank you for being here with me today. It was great talking to you guys. And make sure you grab everything of Courtney's out of the show notes. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.